welcome to Have a Nice Apocalypse. Uh, I am one of your hosts for this journey through the works of Richard Kelly and, most importantly, Southland Tales, the movie. Uh, I'm Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society. Uh, with me, as always, the other co-host of this thing, the show, is uh, Marcus Serving. Hello, Marcus. Yeah, this this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am Marcus. Marcus Irving. Hello. Hi. Hello. Writer. Hello. Uh, how podcast are, host. Uh, yes, you're a podcast host. What is oh, your no. official title at Talk Film Society, by the way? <laughs> uh, I believe in my bio I say contributor. <laughs> <laughs> You've been with the site since the beginning for five years now, and you are still yeah. a contributor. <laughs> and I, I am a part-time contributor. Yeah. You know what? Live on air, This I have not... Discuss this. Am I getting a promotion? You're getting a promotion live on this recording, Marcus. You are now all right, all right. a senior contributor to Talk Film Society. Oh, oh yes. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. There Thank you, you so much, Marcelo. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know. Uh, my day is made. You know, for the next few months, I'm going to just, you know, rearrange things over Talk Film Society, you know, titles and whatnot. But for now, the first change I'm making is that a senior contributor to Talk Film Society, Marcus Irving. Um, so, how, how are you? Uh, Mark, are you, are you oh. doing okay? Yeah, so good, so good. I've uh, been sick for the last like month. Oh no! Uh, but but uh, so if you hear any sniffling or anything, I apologize. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super good. I mean, I have to ask: Is it you know? Is it is it something you can uh, you know get through? Well, you have you had it for a month. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but it's probably like allergies or something. Okay, okay. Like, no, good. I do not have the novel coronavirus. Okay, no. good. Ooh, you no, know, I, no worries there. I have my shot. Even I, I can oh, confirm. I do. There not you have go. That. Yeah. Congrats, by the way. Um, I have also felt a little sick this past week. I think it's also allergies, and I was very close to saying, "Oh, I don't feel up to recording." But luckily, uh, last two days I've been feeling a lot better. So yeah, allergies. Uh, it's 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 a thing, and it's been weird to be sick. For the first time in months, so um, that's that's what I went through. Um, I'm uh, uh, I'm sorry that you're going through it too, Marcus. Um, but hey, that's that's our update. We always do that on on the show. We always ask each other how we're doing, like a normal you know uh, a podcast host you know couple. We see we, we check right. in with each other, right? It's a normal thing. We love each other. We, <laughs> we love each other. other. We we talk to each other. Exactly. You know, um, the we one have this, time. We, you know, uh, our commitment uh, to this podcast means that we have to have that relationship. Uh, but yes. now, you know, like like other relationships, we have to bring somebody new in to make this interesting. So, Marcus, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 we yeah, have somebody yeah. on the line here. Our first guest <laughs> for this series. Who is it, Marcus? Yes, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, introducing our new partner. They are one half of the hosts of our sister podcast, Dream a Little Deeper, where they discuss every Disney animated film there is. They they are the number one bisexual communist news person in Oklahoma. And they are the best damn Titan main in the galaxy and the toughest damn cat boy in all of Eorzea. And you better believe that they are Norded. It's Harrison Brockwell. I'm losing my mind. This is amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much, Marcus. Yeah. See now, yeah. now I feel bad that Marcus didn't give me an intro like that. You, 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 Holy! 
You've never said anything nice like that about me, Marcus. Marcus what's my fucking walkout song? Fucking WWE ass introduction. <laughs> oh, over by here. the way, Harrison, yeah. this is marking the marks. We're, we're not talking South Sound Tales. <laughs> yeah, this is the wrestling show. We tricked you. We're talking Backlash 2021. <laughs> my time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. Oh, Please. also, my walkout. My walkout song would be simple and clean. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, simple and clean. My sanctuary. One of them. Yeah. One of those. Anyway, don't worry about it, Marcelo. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, so, the what, Eva okay. theme. I, I I forget. I forget uh, uh, what we're doing. Marcus, remind me. Are we doing this the new segment first, or are yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So before yeah, Marcus, we, before we talk to Harrison, before we get your opinions on the film Southland Tales, and before we do our analysis, I'm going to introduce a new segment here. Uh, uh, okay, so Marcel, I told you a little bit about the segment. You did. And uh, I don't know, Marcel. How much of a drinker are you? Uh, long story short, used to be a heavy drinker, and now not so much. Um, uh, That's good. You cut back a lot. Uh, used to drink. No, I don't want to get into it. Um, but yeah, only special occasions <laughs> now. <laughs> Let's not get into a rabbit hole of like my excessive drinking in the past. But yeah, only special occasions, like most of our podcast no appearances. I've I've learned not to drink during podcasting. Um, Anyway, but uh, I'm, uh, uh, but you came to me, I think yesterday with this uh, yeah. segment, and I'm like, I'm okay. down, yeah. I'm so, down. So to so, so talk about it, talk about this. Yeah, ha- this. Uh, let me first ask: Have you prepared something for the today's episode or not? I have. If pre- not, it's okay. I have prepared you something, have. not in person, but written down. Uh, I'm I, I'm not okay. currently drinking this, but I've written down something. So yes, uh, take well, it away, Marcus. All right. So what this segment is. Uh, we are going to be every uh, every episode. We're going to be making a cocktail based on a character or concept from the Jesus film Southland Tales. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for this first introductory segment, I have chosen Kristen now because it's the first thing that popped in my head when I thought of this. Um, oh, I should warn you ahead of time: I do not drink. I know nothing. I'm not. I don't know anything yeah. about mixology. I was going to ask, like, what, uh, what, what type of drinker are you, Marcus? No, no, uh, almost none whatsoever. I'm not. I'm not against it. I just don't do it. But so, uh, for are, for these shows, <laughs> yeah, so, so for these shows, you're making a drink. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm making a cocktail, and this is from my head. I'm not looking anything up. I'm not. I'm not going and finding a a a, a mai tai and deciding oh this is God, Kristen now. This is going to be rancid. This is going to be the worst thing on the planet. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> so okay, here is my cocktail that I have made for the character Kristen now. Uh, uh, so greatly portrayed by Sarah Michelle Geller in the film Southland Tales. <clears throat> I have a uh, Red Bull, the red edition. It's <laughs> okay. watermelon flavored. Okay. okay. Pouring that, pouring that out, and okay, I'll tell you why I chose that. Oh, you're doing this live on air. I'm doing this live on air. Yeah, I'm I can hear the pouring. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you knew this. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I've got. I told you I was going to do this. Um, so I've got the cranberry Red Bull, and I, I chose Red Bull because, as we all know, we saw the film. Uh, what's her name? Krista. Now she has her own energy drink. Okay, so there's yeah. the first tie-in. Okay. Now, I am going to be pouring in rum chata. Oh my god! What? what Something is that? I've never had before. Uh, oh my god! It is Caribbean rum with real dairy cream. It's white. Okay, oh I needed God. the color white. This is why this is happening. This oh, is... Because no. the white... This is not... Okay. 
Okay. The white is going to mix with the red to make the color pink. Oh, pink no. is the color of Kristen Now's talk show logo, right? Okay. Now, here's the third ingredient, third oh, and no. final. Uh, we have a, a Malibu. Oh, Jesus. Which is another oh, Caribbean no. rum with coconut oh, flavor. No. Marcella. And this is. Marcella, why are you allowing this to happen? Listen, I didn't. Okay. Keep going, Marcus. <laughs> Okay, and the Malibu is because Krista's talk show is filmed in Malibu. It's set in Malibu. <laughs> All right? Oh, my God. So, look. I've this got those three things. This is already my second favorite podcast that I've been on. Red, Red Bull and two different types of rum. And I'm going to try it. And while oh. I try it, Marcelo, can you explain what your drink is? Okay. Well, um, now, when Marcus explained this to me over DM, I figured he would have already made a drink... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. It's good. I like this. Okay. I I, I didn't realize coconutty Red Bull. That ain't bad. He was going to um suicide a bunch of drinks together. Um, <laughs> yeah, neither did I. Yeah, no. Um, because what I did, uh, and and, and we'll yeah, no and, and, and we'll get to your f- full review of that drink here in a second, Marcus. And and, and also you have to give it a name. Um, I the Krista now done with the the Krista now. Okay. Um, yeah. I, what, not the quantum entanglement? See, that, <laughs> quantum that entanglement. Well, maybe, maybe that's a drink for later, a different yeah. episode. Um, what, what I did is I, I looked up, because I was, I, I, we were working on the same wavelength, Marcus, uh, energy drinks, um, because Krista now has an energy drink in the movie. So yeah. all I did was looked up monster energy, uh, monster energy cocktails. So my simple uh, uh, cocktail is four ounces of vodka, Four ounces of Monster Energy drink, four ounces of Ruby uh, grapefruit juice. Uh, put some ice in there, shake it up, boom, done. That's it. It's called the Krista Now Pow. So that's my simple drink. Uh, I, I'm not going to make it. Uh, if anybody out there makes it, <laughs> uh, s- uh, send us a picture of you drinking it, and we'll do nothing. Uh, we won't retweet it. We won't share it. We'll no, just look we at it. We will not engage. We will not engage. We'll pretend you don't exist. No. Um, but, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. What do we do now, Marcus? It's your segment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I've, I've tried the drink. It seems to uh, have curdled or something over there <laughs> since I've set it down. Yeah. I would imagine curdled. that has to do with the cream and. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it, it looks disgusting, but I'll tell you, it tasted pretty decent for the sip or two I had. I cannot believe you did that. So Okay. So, people out there, go ahead and make that drink. And Harrison, right now, we need to, to decide uh, between me and, and Marcelo's drinks, which one sounded better? Which one sounded no. like something you would drink? Neither. Not gonna, no, you have to pick neither. one. You have to pick one. I you mean, have to pick you, one. This is, a, this is a competition between us. We're going to rally up the points later and... Do something special at the end of the series. Fucking hell. Okay, fine. Uh, Marcelo's was like the least offensive thing I've, I've I heard. <laughs> like, I whether or not that tasted okay, Marcus. That sounded like an affront to nature. Putting <laughs> Red Bull and rum chata in the same glass. Fuck off. <laughs> Holy shit. I've never been more happy to just have a boring ass corzel banquet here. Fuck. Yeah, I'm 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 having a Topo Chico right now. That's that's what I'm having tonight. Um, I have a Coors right. and a water, and that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. It's also right. you know nine what? o'clock. It's also nine o'clock at night while we're recording this, so it's fine. Oh, oh. You by the way, I, I will say, um, uh, 
uh, I don't know why I did this, but maybe because I wanted just to experience it in a way. I had a Monster Energy drink for the first time in five years um, uh, <laughs> earlier today, and hmm. I felt a sensation I haven't felt in a long time. It felt like I was on drugs. Um, yeah, you should so, drink those every day, Marcelo. No, I think I'm, help you out a lot. And I, I'm still kind of like amped up, um, and I'm waiting for that crash. It might happen during this recording. We'll see. Oh, my God. Yeah, you sound amped. I am amped, Harrison. Um, so, yeah, I'm still pumped up from that energy drink. I don't normally drink uh, soft drinks to begin with. I don't drink sugar. Um, so it was a blast. Um, but, yeah, so that was uh, – I, I wanted to experience my drink in a way uh, without making it, you know, without having to go through what Marcus just went through. Um, but, yeah, there we go. Point goes to me. Uh, can't wait for the next episode and the next uh, drink face-off. Uh, what's the name of that segment, Marcus? Oh, yes, I actually do have a name. It's uh, called Southland Ales. <laughs> we don't actually have any beer uh, to mix anything well, with. But uh, I, I okay, it's it's fine. It's good. It's look, good. Look, it's good. Look. All right, segment over. Next segment. Uh, real okay. change. Um, Next segment. Oh we're gonna God. we're gonna actually get to our guest, Harrison. Uh, what? What? Well, first off, just tell us in general. Uh, just, just, just like take us through your history with this movie. Had you seen it before? No. Were you a fan of Richard Kelly to begin no. with? Uh, well, speak <laughs> about. Speak. Okay. Great. Okay. So let me let, let me clarify. I have not seen any of this man's movies. I have not seen Donnie Darko. I barely okay. know what Donnie Darko is about. Hadn't heard of Southland Tales until Rocky Juarez, uh, at Rock Haggis on Twitch. Um. <laughs> just started complaining about how much he hated Southland Tales one day. Future guest yeah. of the show, Rocky yeah. Juarez. Can't wait to talk to oh, him about Southland Tales. No, I'm oh, going to yeah. force him to be on the show. No, but we will. We no, will. Oh, oh, I, listen, I, I, Rocky, I, if you're listening, you're, you're in trouble. I can't remember if I said this on mic or not, but I told Marcus, uh, I live you know, in the same city that Rocky lives in. We will see each other in person again. Uh, maybe at Fantastic Fest this year. Who knows? But I will. You will bully him into doing. I it. will accost him. I will get my cell phone out. I will. I will <laughs> open up the the voice recording app and I will put him on the show. Take away his PlayStation until he comes on the pod. Exactly. He will be on the show one way or another. Um, okay, so Harrison, you have no. So we let me let me let uh, me let me be a hundred percent straight up on what my history with Southland Tales yes, is. please. My history with Southland Tales is Marcus asked me if I'd seen Southland <laughs> yeah, Tales. Okay. I said no. A package arrives at my house two days later with the Arrow release of Southland Tales and a Kingdom Hearts vinyl. And I message Marcus yeah. and I'm like, you're trying to bribe me. And he mm-hmm. goes, yes. And I went, congratulations. It worked. Yep, when it definitely recording. worked. Yes. <laughs> so, so much like Jigsaw from the Saw movies, he, he gave you, uh, you know, your game. So you, so so now, <laughs> so now this is the game, Harrison. You're gonna you're gonna suffer through an episode of Have a Nice Apocalypse. So you oh, okay? Uh, uh, let me ask you yeah. this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> let me let me whatever you're gonna ask me. Let me ask you first. Okay. What the fuck did you make me watch? <laughs> okay. First off. Marcus asked you to be on this show. Don't blame me. Okay, let's get that. Let's get that clear. Um, and second off, happy to have you on, Harrison. Uh, uh, you know, I, we we did a podcast together on Lord of the Rings, um, mm-hmm. Going Home Steep. Uh, go listen to that, folks, if you want to hear 
you know, us and other great people talk about Lord of the Rings. It was a fun time. Uh, it's a good show. Yeah, a good show. Good show about great movies. Um, mm-hmm. And now here well, we are. Three great movies. Uh, okay. Um, now, now, Marcus, what is, what was your yeah. rationale of asking Harrison to be a guest here uh, with with him not yeah. having seen South End Tales? Them. Them. Okay. Seeing South End Tales. Yes. Uh, for I, I had a few reasons. I I thought. Um, possibly most cynically for the show I thought it would be interesting if we had people who love the movie people who hate the movie Rocky and somebody who is brand new to the movie so when I found out that Harrison hadn't seen that he'd seen it I figured they would be the perfect person to be somebody that hasn't seen the movie and see it for the first time for this show and um, also on another level I know Harrison is a very uh, politically minded person a very smart person who I thought could bring an intelligent conversation about the politics of Southland Tales and tell us uh, probably smarter than than uh, either, uh, probably better than either of us will come to uh, what they mean and what uh, and if they are good or not <laughs> and also uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Harrison is a, in general, a fan of like really ambitious, goofy shit, and uh, like the Kingdom Hearts series, the fucking wh- whatever other other things that he's a fan. Of, they are a fan of that. Uh, I know they're a fan of, and I, I, I felt Southland Fe- Tales kind of uh, aligned itself in that. So uh, that, those those are my reasons for why I thought Harrison should be a guest on the show. See, I like that different perspectives. And I definitely want to hear Harrison's take. And now, Harrison, your general take on Southland Tales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do I put this as delicately as possible? <laughs> um, Don't break my heart, Harrison. I'm not going to break your heart. I, I, you know what? We have, to, we have to go on a bit of a walk here because... The comparison I'm about to make is unflattering at first, but if you stick with me, it'll pro- you'll you'll come around to it. Um, All right. This falls in a similar category to how I feel about Sucker Punch. Mm. Okay. 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 Sucker Punch is a movie I do not like per se, but. I find extremely fascinating and I can't stop thinking about if you go and listen to the episode uh, that both of us Marcus were on in different halves where um, Marcel and I talk at length about Zack Snyder's Justice League oh yeah I talk about my experience with Zack Snyder as a director and the weird academic fascination I have with his work because he clearly wants to say something he's just not very good and doesn't exactly know what he wants to say so it gets very muddled. I think Southland Tales falls it ends up falling into a similar camp, except it's the exact opposite. I quite like this movie. I'm fascinated by it. And okay. it's muddled in a way that I think Richard Kelly absolutely knows what he's trying to say, but he's trying to say so much so quickly yes. that it gets super confused. Yes. Yes, exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> exactly what I wanted to hear. Perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a, but also I think it does fall into the trap of using certain markers and buzzwords in a way that signify like ends up signifying one thing to a mass market when actually meaning kind of another thing, which I think we'll get into more. We will absolutely get into more when we talk about the politics of this movie. 
Um, but ultimately, my, re- my, my main takeaway was, this is fucking bonkers. I cannot believe this is real. This feels <laughs> like a fever dream. Perfect. And I have watched I have watched the Justin Timberlake killer sequence five times today. I love that fucking thing. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That's yeah. Awesome. You know, I, I had some time to think about again, because I mean I mean Marcus and I are doing this entire series revolving around this movie. And here's here's my comparison. Here here's my uh, something that came to mind when I drank that energy drink, uh, monster drink uh, earlier today. Southland Tales to me is like drinking a monster drink for the first time in five years. There's that there's that sugar rush that you experience. There's that distaste when you first have it, but then like there's you want to drink more of it. You know, it's like oh this is too sugary. You know what? I might as well drink more. Oh, this is actually pretty good. I might as well finish the bo- finish the can. And then it just stays with you. You're on this high. And then it just you just feel like kind of like what I'm feeling now, this nervousness of like, oh, what's happening to my body? I don't know. That experience I had today of of drinking a monster energy drink is kind of like me watching Southland Tales. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I do and, and I'm fascinated. And we'll get into, you know, beat by beat what happens in you know in, in these um, you know, fifteen or so minutes of the movie. Uh, by the way, this is part two of like our what 13-part series breaking down Southland Tales. Right. I think we forgot to mention that at the beginning. Uh, we'll, we'll get into detail about that in a second. But, yeah, like, I find it, again, watching uh, this particular part last night, I found it fascinating. Once again, like, I kind of like that we're doing this, like how we're doing this, Marcus, like, kind of like, not minute by minute, which we threatened to do in the beginning, but, like, breaking it down this way, because it kind of, breaking it apart this way, reveals more of the madness behind it and now i'm like i'm liking it more and more you know so yeah i i see where um harrison's coming from with his comparison to sucker punch even though i don't like sucker punch that much i see that comparison yeah i think i think it's a great comparison and uh i i, I see what you're saying marcelo it is this movie uh and like and harrison that you said it's like a yeah it's, it's like a it is like a high that you want to experience again. It's 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 a crazy, crazy fucking weird ass movie that it really sticks with you, and I, it has stuck with me for whatever fifteen, fourteen years. And I, I, and all these years later, I just want to keep talking about it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is. It could is, possibly be your favorite movie of all time, right, Marcus? Could very possibly be. Perhaps there's a series this summer where that is set in stone, huh. but that is for a different time. Wait, what? What does that mean? <laughs> Who's I, I, I don't know, Marcelo. Is there a thing with like top favorite movies of all time? Oh, we're gonna be Jesus discussing Christ, on I a podcast that. soon. <laughs> Keep it locked on IGN. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Marcus is alluding to. By this point, it may have already been done, but the TFS one hundred. Uh, because yeah, we're recording these way in advance. But yes, um, uh, do, Marcus, do you think the uh, do you think Southland Tales will, will fall in the official uh, final listing of the TFS 100 movies of all time? Uh, if it's <laughs> okay, here here is how that could happen. If it's weighted scale, and I put it at number one, and then we have about five people that submit lists. <laughs> <laughs> then I think it could happen. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That could possibly yeah. happen. That could happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, baby. There's a chance. I'll I'll be campaigning for it. You know that. I want I want to ask Harrison this. Harrison, K- 
can you describe to me what you think uh, Richard Kelly is as a person? No. Not at all? Straight up, no. I have no sense of the person that made this. So you've never um, seen Donnie Darko? I've never seen Donnie Darko. Okay. okay. Um, Interesting. This is the first one of Kelly's movies I've seen, and from what Marcus has told me, there's not a ton of them. Um, one of three. So, one of three. Okay, yeah. Then I yeah. I cannot, cannot even come close to articulating who I think Kelly is as a person, which, like, I'm not super into auteur theory anyways, so the idea of, like, oh, like, this is one person's vision is always kind of fucky for me, um, but in this case, it it feels like such a hodgepodge of ideas that you can't help but see multiple sets of fingerprints on everything, so it feels almost obfuscated, like, every different, and, like, despite the fact that all these different plot threads end up completely meshed, like, entangled together something something quantum entanglement um just completely smashed together and twisted in a weird messy conglomeration of narrative you can still feel like the different almost like the different factions in this movie and the different parts of it almost feel like they were directed by different people interesting um at least in terms of like visual design and aesthetic which is also just the fact of this movie came out in what 2006 yeah 2006 design aesthetics were all over the place to begin with so this this movie like i don't know it feels like a weird hodgepodge of perspectives and ideas that weirdly come together Mm -hmm. so it's it's very hard to articulate like what i think who I think Richard Kelly is like as a person, let alone as like an ideas man. Yeah. See, um, a quest of mine and maybe Marcus's, but mostly mine, like that I want to, um, you know, unwrap during this series is like Richard Kelly as a person. Right. And a mystery I want to solve or just, you know, get to the bottom of like, kind of like dig into is like maybe why he's made a little work, you know, uh, you know, in, in the last, you know, 20 years, you know? Um, and also that auteur theory thing. I, it's interesting, Harrison, that you say that this feels like it was directed by different, you know, people. Like when like uh, this whole series has been like my approach anyway, uh, has been like trying to see the thread through, you know, Donnie Darko, uh, Domino, which he wrote, um, you know, Southland Tales, and then finally the box, right? Am I missing one, Marcus? Is that it? <laughs> is that no, all? yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but that's that's interesting. That's you see that as like this is like a hodgepodge of like ideas and people coming together. When like I I have been seeing it as like the madness of Richard Kelly on screen. So yeah, um, Marcus, have, have have you have we talked about auteur theory in this series? What, what, what do you think about auteur Probably. theory? Probably. Probably not. I, I I don't know. I think that I don't know from my limiting under limited understanding of it. I, I think that there are certain people who you can feel them through. Like the way I think of it is, there are certain directors who you can feel them through their work when you're watching them, and it feels like you're watching the same person. Like I, and it feels like uh, whatever thing they created feels like the the it comes from the mind of one person and like i i get what you're saying harrison like that that's that's impossible a movie's made by 
hundreds of people and uh, they all have their own input in one way or another uh, intentionally or not and it uh, and so obviously it all gets affected by that but I, I don't know at the same time you you watch a David Lynch movie or something and it feels yeah. like something that only they could make and o- only David Lynch can make that exact type of movie I've never seen anything like it mm-hmm. from anybody else and so like yeah I, I don't know that, that yeah. that's basically how I feel is that like there's some merit to it but I do understand like yeah yeah uh, a movie is not made by one person yeah auteur theory it definitely in general privileges the white male perspective because those sure. are generally the people you, that who you hold up as like auteurs like oh they're yeah. the pinnacle of the genre exactly people like like hitchcock fincher pta um as much as i love their films is are like it's generally the idea that like yeah auteur theory is like a film is a single direct a single person's entire mm-hmm. creative vision and they exist to guide the process into what they see in their head and put like fully formed out into the world which doesn't happen creative ideas come from everywhere which is why it drives me crazy when people are like oh peter jackson's lord of the rings movies like i talk about it on going home steep where i'm like no it's like those are fundamentally anti-auteur movies like you cannot make that argument um but yeah, like Lynch and Michael Bay are like the two people where you can kind of be like, mm, yeah, n- mm, I can kind of see where the auteur theory <laughs> arguments come from yeah, because they're yeah. so quintessentially those dudes' visions for things. But also, even they have and people like coming up with ideas and helping I, them on set. I feel like applying it to Richard Kelly makes some sort of sense. Like, I, I, I personally feel the reason that this man has not worked as much as he has is because he wants to make a movie the way he wants to make a movie. Like, uh, before Southland Tales, he was signed on, or he was, like, definitely um, high in the running to direct uh, X-Men The Last Stand. Like, he was basically offered that job, and he turned it down because he didn't want to do an X-Men movie. He wanted to do his own fucking weird-ass sci-fi politics movie that... Uh, completely bombed at the box office and then whatever uh five or six years later when he made the box uh another total bomb that i haven't seen for many years but i do think has some sort of like uh it's just not what you would expect it's like a weird kind of like mindfuck different type of movie and then that's what donnie darko is too so i i feel like that's probably the answer to your reason of why he has not worked much is just because like he wants to write the movie. He wants to direct the movie. He wants to have as much creative control over the movie as possible. He's talked about that many times. And so in that way, you could say that like, he's very proud of his work. He's very, I don't know. Is that an auteur? I don't know. Harrison, would it surprise you to find out? Maybe you already knew this if you did some light research, but uh, would it surprise you that Richard Kelly wrote a three-volume graphic novel prequel to South End Tales? No. Wouldn't surprise you I, I, see, No, not at all, especially because I was watching the the Justin Timberlake, um, all these things that I've done sequence uh, uh, earlier today, and for some reason was like, I'm going to look at the comments, and somebody mentioned the comics in the comments section of that, and I was like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> But yeah. also, considering what this movie is, I'm like, yeah, 
this feels like something that would have a graphic novel prequel series yeah. to it. <laughs> it. It has a lot of crucial information. Like, I, I, I don't know if we want to get into the plot or anything, but like, was it something that was easy for you to follow? Do you feel like you put it together in your head mostly, or do you feel like maybe there's a lot of details you missed or things that you don't still don't have any sense over? Cause like you only watched it here in the last like day, right? Yeah. I watched it last night. Um, I want to say I've followed it mostly, but there's still like, what, what, what just like, if you have any questions where we, we can answer your questions. Cause like Marcus yeah, and I, I don't know. Like I don't have a ton of cool, I don't have a ton of questions, but I also don't feel like I have a total grip on it. You know, you don't um, even know what questions to ask. Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. the tricky thing. I'm like, this is clear. Like, the fuck is up with the Jesus tattoo? Like, <laughs> right. what? Yeah, stigmata. Okay, but that's not what the stigmata is. <laughs> but but it's uh, tangentially related. Yes, uh, I, I know. But yeah, like, that, that's another thing I don't fully understand. Uh, in the can cut, uh, d- does the Jesus tattoo bleed through in the theatrical version at the end of the movie? Yes, yes. it does. Yes, it does. Okay, Never it's mind. it's the image on the Arrow release disc. Right, like it's him <laughs> oh, yeah, doing it the it's him doing it the cross, is, yeah. like the the cruciform at the end. Get as the ship gets blown up, and the the sh- it bleeds through the shirt. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, How, yeah, you're not a Christ figure. You might think you are, but you're not. Yeah, that's, like, that's not what this is. Yeah, that's something I I've been asking uh, Marcus and uh, just in general. Like, well, yeah, I don't understand, and I hope that Marcus and I and future guests and and whatnot. I think we'll be, we'll, we'll be able to figure it out by the end of the series. Just or you won't. <laughs> Who knows? Or we won't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was joking before saying Marcus and I have all the answers. We don't. I'm still asking questions, and I think like like last episode we solved something that was super weird. Let me, Harrison. Did you catch like these glowing balls that were in the movie that uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was was focused on? Did did you catch that? What? Exactly. Yeah, that's something <laughs> that I caught, I think, during the commentary that Marcus and I did. And I, I'd seen this movie before, but that was the first time I caught it. I'm like, what? What is that? And Marcus, t- tell a story, because that story is kind of wild. It kind of sums up a lot of what this movie is. Like, okay, they're glowing balls in the movie. Yeah. But the explanation of why uh, they're there are is what, Marcus? Yeah. So, th- uh, do you know the, the guy who, Harrison, you remember the guy who got his uh, finger cut off in the movie? And he got ran over by Sherry O'Terry in the car on yeah. the roller skates. Yeah. yeah. So he, his name's Todd Berger. Uh, Richard Kelly was just at Todd Berger's house or at a party or something that they were both at. And they were playing uh, bocce ball. And Todd Berger had these, uh, these like glowing bocce balls. And Richard Kelly just thought they were so cool that he decided <laughs> to put them into his movie. And, the way they manifest in the movie is they are like little checkpoints that uh, you can see boxer go towards. Like he picks them up at certain points and interacts with them. Okay. And they like, they're kind of like a thing that's a breadcrumb trail. that's leading him around to where he's predestined to go. And yeah. And, and Marcelo's question about that is, 
did he have that as a as an idea and he just saw the bocce balls and decided these would work perfectly as that thing or did he just really really was he so drunk that he just like thought the bocce <laughs> balls were the coolest thing he'd ever seen see and decided i have to put these in my fucking movie and i, I want you to I mean but i mean but either way like boxers attraction to them mirrors kelly's so ultimately it doesn't really matter they're just so fucking cool that they transcend the fourth dimension boom that is the kind of shit you're here for harrison (laughs) i love it i would have never said that perfect i think i think that's a good segue into let's let's dig into this (laughs) section of the movie i'm calling this real two it's just chapter two on the error release 14 minutes of the movie, starting from... I forgot to write down the time codes. Do you have the time codes? It's, uh, yeah, Marcus it's sent, mi- me, sent me them. Marcus, check our Discord DMs. I've got it. it it's it's a minute 11 exactly to a minute 25.31. Minutes 11 to minute 25, whatever seconds Marcus just said. There you go. Let 30. me say this right now. The way that woman says quantum uh, yes. teleportation, incredible. Yes. The incredible. best shit. Yeah, that's, that's it's exactly so good. That's- as how it starts, Zelda Rubenstein saying, "Rest quantum in peace." Saying, teleportation. Quantum teleportation. Yeah, she's great. She's great. just like fuck yeah, fuck me up. Let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so what's happening on on screen, Mark? I think I think Marcus is going to lead the way for this because that's what we figured out in the last episode. We're going to go. Uh, right, Harrison just said it. That makes sense. Uh, 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 <laughs> her name is Doctor Catalina Kunzler or Kunzler. Uh, she says quantum teleportation. She's like explaining the. It's like the second half of the interview on the beach where they're explaining uh, what to, the 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 sp- specifics of how fluid karma works fluid uh, karma and, is what uh marcel is experiencing right now as he crashes down from that monster yeah it's 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 <laughs> happening it's happening and marcus i want you i want you to keep uh, drinking from that drink i want you to get just blasted oh by god no no it's please, totally please it's, don't please don't it's totally curled i'm not keep up. don't do that i'm just drinking the red bull i'm gonna be experiencing that high that marcella had oh my god later uh, okay uh, so something of notes that i wanted to bring up again is another illusion is that the word i don't know my bad at words um illusion with an a illusion uh to to, to uh uh nuclear shit I, I'm good with words. Um, oh, on, yeah. On, on yeah, TV. there's a lot of allusions to nuclear shit in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it got, yeah, what gave it away, Marcelo? <laughs> what gave it away? Hammering again. If only there was some big red, big flag, big tall <laughs> signpost at the beginning of this movie that said, this is about nuclear. <laughs> again, I want to emphasize, uh, we, we should have, or we will watch Kiss Me Deadly on this, on this series, Marcus, because again... Uh, uh, Kelly has said Kiss Me Deadly has been it was an influence on this movie and again uh, another nod to you know uh, uh, nuclear escalation uh, here in this uh, have you on, seen that Harrison telescreen nope have you seen that film no okay, it's, well, it's the film that's playing on the on the screen uh, when Boxer and whatever Boxer gotcha. and Krista are watching it yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah apparently they based a lot of the movie around it um, okay cool I will have to track that down then it's a good movie. So cool. Good movie. Stuff on the TV. Let's jump to Krista now, okay, and her talk show, okay? Krista um, now. Yes. Right. Uh, her, you know, oh, actually her and, uh, I always forget Will Sasso's character's name. Who is it? Fortunio, Fortunio Balducci. Fortunio Balducci. Uh, incredible yeah. name. Just absolutely <laughs> incredible name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we were introduced to uh, Fortunio for the first time here. Um, right? We, we we didn't see him in the last... Yeah, uh, Fortunio's 
Fortunio is yep. watching the TV. He sees Krista's uh, talk show where they are uh, discussing such topics as abortion, terrorism, crime, poverty, social reform, quantum teleportation, teen horniness, and war. Listen, Which, uh, we listen. We got to give it up for quantum entangle for quantum teleportation and teen horniness. Yeah, These are the two most back. important things affecting America. <laughs> okay. Teen horniness is not a crime. You've heard it here second. The first place you heard it was in Southland Tales, but we're mm-hmm. going to say it again. Teen horniness is not a crime. Serious question. Absolutely. To Harrison. Yes. Serious question. Okay. These are jokes in the movie, okay? Did you laugh at these jokes? In particular, yeah. The first, the fun? first time, no. The second time, yes. Wait, you saw this twice? You watched it twice? Y'all, yes, actually. <laughs> okay. um, wow! Hell okay. yeah! Yeah, all right. oh, we got all you. Right. Good, we got you. <laughs> we got, we got them. Um, that okay? Yeah, that's interesting because I don't think we touched on that. If we found this funny, this movie funny, here. I, I, I was the first time. I was just bowled over and kind of in shock with what I was seeing. <laughs> um, I was also taken aback by just the, for lack of a better word, the UI of the TV. Um, mm-hmm. Just the way the screens and shit are laid out and the fact that like through the through the visual interface of the TV and the TV programs, they're basically, they are laying the cards for what comes later. Like, for a movie entirely, like, for a, This movie ends up revolving around time travel in a weird way, so the fact that they foreshadow everything so bluntly really fucking works. Um, and right before they cut to... Um, you guys will know this better than me, but when they, like, pull out for, uh, at, at that one point during the, the like... A, a brief history of time segment where they're just like, here's what's happened in the run up to um, now. And they're showing like the, the TV screen that looks like uh, it got lifted straight out of um, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Like the fact that it pulls out and you see the six monitors, which is like the um, m- mimicking uh, Nana May's office later on, just yeah. like, Oh, God, the way this movie handles media is so fucking fascinating. Just the fact that it is like both it, essential to communicating all the information that people need to know on a daily basis, but the fact that there's so much of it now in a like global media landscape that it's impossible to parse everything to the point that like there's three picture in pictures all showing different things at any one time with lower thirds that are yeah. completely different from what you're what is actually being seen versus talked about versus written on screen it's so much noise it's so much mm-hmm. and it works so well yeah and especially that, that's a major when, theme yeah sorry I, yeah I no, and like i guess that does make sense as to why the movie itself is so cacophonous um like i like i said how it's just kind of a big entangled mess of nonsense especially this like 15 minutes we're talking about so much happens and it's real real hard to parse and keep track of but i think that's kind of the point it is it is yeah. dense it is dense yeah to your point there like a major theme I, i've never thought about this like the way you just put it but like a major theme of the movie is obviously like media oversaturation overload uh things are happening all the time and you're being confronted with them and like i i really do like that as a way to like that the movie is reflecting that by being that itself like the plot is mm-hmm. so dense and so uh 
quantum entangled that you have to watch it 50 times to make any sort of sense of it really. And, but, but you, but yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a great point. Sorry. Um, well, uh, yeah, Marcel, what are you saying? I, I wanted to jump to Fortunio's line about, and I don't know it exactly. I should have written it down, but maybe you wrote it down, Marcus, where he says, like, no revolution is done without, like, female, like, uh, I forget, uh, you know, uh, re- yeah, rebellion. A, yeah. A, any social revolution is impossible without feminine upheaval, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a weird line delivery for Mo Sasso. And I don't know if yeah, I, he's saying it, he's saying it sarcastically. Yeah. I think he's like, I think the lady said it on the show, and he's like making fun of Krista. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, okay. I th- that's how I took I, that. I think I think it's less that somebody said it on TV and more like he fo- like he says that follow like immediately following Krista saying that's why I don't do anal. Um, right. So yeah. he is absolutely saying it sarcastically and mocking all of them because they're like they are essentially talking about garbage under the guise of talking about important things, which like sexual liberation is important, but also they're going about it in not to like tone police, but they're going about it entirely ineffectually. Like they're arguing about whether or not the bang bus should be outlawed. Like this isn't helping anybody, (laughs) which I, which like, I will, I will talk about this more when we get to uh, the, the, the stuff with the neo-Marxists, but like, the ineffectuality of this type of revolution and uh, social resistance, I think, is also a big part of this movie, which pops, which does start to emerge in this section. All right, let's let's keep rolling, Marcus. What's next? Uh, also, in the same scene with Fortunio, Krista uh, has uh, the great line that Marcelo you tweeted out through the account. Through the <laughs> yes, through the official account. Talk from Society account. Yes. yes. <laughs> We, we are a bisexual nation living in denial, all because of a bunch of nerds. A bunch of nerds who got off a boat in the 15th century and decided that sex was a thing you should be ashamed of. All the pilgrims did was ruin the American Indian orgy of freedom. I hate this. Uh, I hate her. Shit. I hate great her. Shit. Why do you hate her? It's think, a, it is a great what's, line. What's wrong? It's a great line. It's a great, it's great line, line, but it feels like... Drinking the rum chata now straight. It feels to me... It, <laughs> It feels very much like uh, stereotypical, weird. like the stereotype of like white feminism and just the idea that like, well, if we were just unrepressed, everything would be fine. Well, no, no. And you also can't just like force your ideals on native peoples like the pilgrims did not interrupt the orgy of freedom. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, they that's not how this works. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate where her head's at, but like not not really how this works and also you're a, a you're a, a a wealthy actress slash cultural influencer you don't get to decide what um y- you are part of the problem kind of <laughs> you are sure. you're dictating what the culture is if yeah. you want to dic- if you want to try and not be one of the nerds try to not be one of the nerds you know like I don't know. It, it just if it, it feels like posturing, you know, in that way. But like, I don't. This is not me saying I think the movie thinks this. This is what Krista thinks, and I think right. the movie is actively making fun of this kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love it. it. Uh, it's like half of a great line there. You know, 
um, that uh, we, we're a bisexual nation in denial. Like, I like that. Then the rest kind of like falls, you know, like, like a, it feels like a very much like an Instagram post, you know, like, hey, yes, I'm, I'm making a point and look how, how, you know, quote unquote, well made <laughs> it is, look how shiny it is, but it's shallow, you know, uh, behind it all, you know, and very much to, uh, uh, it is very much like Krista now's character. And I like that this is what like um, the second scene she's in, in the movie and like just get more of a sense of who she is um again i'd like to point out that i love sarah michelle geller and uh i'm reminded of how great she's she great is. yeah she's, she's, she's great she's in this great. she's, she's incredible yeah she yeah. does so much in this movie when she's asked to um i like and i'm gonna i this will segue perfectly into the next part of this um scene when boxer shows up but everybody's performance in this movie is fucking stellar Dwayne Johnson, I I challenge you. Where the fuck has this been for the last ten years? <laughs> oh, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. Yeah. Where is yeah. this? I think I can't remember when it was, Marcus. But were we trying to figure commentary. out? Commentary. It was commentary when we talked about the Rock's yeah. career. Dwayne Johnson, sorry, his career. Yeah. Um, we said we said we we were saying like I, I said I think this is uh, Dwayne Johnson's best performance. Marcelo said it's probably top five. I would I would agree with that. I I think this is top two. I'm not sure. I think he's doing more in this than he's doing mm-hmm. in Fast Five, but he's doing a lot in this and Fast Five, and I'm right. not sure which I like more. And the way he jails with Fast Five, yeah, like, and yeah. it works perfectly. I can't deny that. And then Marcus and I were saying, oh, it's maybe Fast Five is the best, or maybe this. Then we forgot about Pain and Gain, and then I'm like, oh, Pain and Gain. Oh is, my God, yeah. you're right. Mm, Holy yeah. shit, you're right. Pain and Gain is for me. Pain and Gain is one. Maybe Fast Five is two for me, and then South Antilles is three. I think. And I think yeah, I think it. I think that's it. I think you're right. I think that I think that's it. I don't think there's any any contesting this. That is the correct ranking of rock performances. And if okay. you disagree, uh, I don't want to hear your opinions. Yeah, I think we're All right. Well, I'm going to sign off the call. See you guys <laughs> later. <laughs> But I think I think I think we're all right though, Marcus. I think you're right in 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 considering this. You know, at least it's at least we all think it's like top five because other people would be like, it's so what? good. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like I don't want to name check anybody on Twitter, but I I saw somebody mention, and maybe they were right. Like I think that well, I think they are right in this case. Like Dwayne Johnson made you know, interesting choices up to a point. And maybe this was a reason why he decided, you know, let's stick with the safe choice. Or maybe he just fell into, you know, the franchise roles and and that was maybe better suited for him career-wise, you know. But this part of The Rock's career was super interesting, is what, what my point is. It's like, he, uh-huh. yeah, like, I want to see that again. He's It's been a while since he's been in something this interesting. And Pain and Game. I, I think I said this on the commentary, but it's very, very interesting to me that WWE allowed like their top star at the time to do a movie like this. Yeah. I I think at this, I think at this point in time, they would never allow them to do that. They would have to do some in-house movie or do a cameo in a weird movie. Like, I I don't think that this would ever happen today. God, could uh, you imagine if the rock got forced? Could you imagine if the rock got forced into doing shit like the Marine for his entire career? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that could have easily happened, but at the time they didn't have that same, uh, that they same, the same uh, huge yeah. production, yeah. Uh, although he was in the Scorpion King, wasn't that a WWE production? Or am I totally wrong on that, Marcus? Mm. I'm wrong on that, aren't I? I don't. 
I don't know actually. I, I he he was in he was in one of the mummy movies as the scorpion guy, right? I've never seen him. I've seen I've seen the mummy movies. I've not seen the Scorpion Kings. But he 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 played that guy. Oh he played that yes. character in a mummy movie and then, Yeah, no. The Scorpion King film was a was one of the production companies was WWE Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If I remember they were like straight to DVD and yeah. Yeah, I think I think the feature film The Scorpion King like he was kind of forced to, to not you know, forced, I guess, in a way of like, hey, this is WWE production. Uh, the Rock, you you were in like uh, the Mummy Returns for like a, yep. a brief second, so why not come back and star in your own movie? Uh, you know, what, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, yeah, that that, that happened. Um, but anyway, more more on that. I'm marking the marks. Let's let's keep going. What's what's next, Marcus? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that that's that scene. Great scene. We all loved it. We all loved next it. Next scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, next scene. There's like a small little interlude of Krista uh, meeting with adult film director Cindy Pinzicki, Pinzicki, uh, uh, played by Nora Dunn. As we all know, uh, nobody rocks the cock like Cindy Pinzicki. Um, Anything interesting happened here? Uh, I, I I do. I t- uh, I will. I just the end the the final line that uh, is so good. It's very funny, a very very great delivery by both uh, Nora Dunn and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, Sarah, I'm uh, fucking Christa. a very large and very important man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. And that's how that scene ends. Very good. Very funny. I do. I do also like. Um uh, Geller's line of like her explanation uh, for how she's for yeah why she named herself Krista yeah it's, it's like it's, we're, yeah we we uh, not living in the past we're living in the now and uh, you can fuck me now and she holds up the card yeah. I like that yeah I feel like that's all you have to say there yeah um, let's move on yeah let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, we're, go- we're we're moving on to the USI Dent offices we got uh, the introduction of Nana Mae Frost played by Miranda Richardson wife of Bobby Frost played by Holmes Osborne. Um, and we're just kind of getting introduced to the, well, we were introduced to it earlier, but like, this is the first time we're spending any meaningful time inside of, uh, the UPU five office, uh, the USI Um, headquarter or whatever. So I have a legitimate question. Okay. Do they make him look like a nerd? Oh, the glasses. Those glasses. I I, I, yeah. I I laughed this time watching this because I I don't think I caught that joke the first times I saw this, but like I was really paying attention this time. I was like, oh, that, oh, that was funny. I like that. Yeah, it's a good yeah. joke. Good joke. Um, they, 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 I, they, I think it only. In two thousand seven, they made him look like a nerd. Now they make him look cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. With the with the fucking big ass Bluetooth heads uh, earpiece <laughs> that he's got his fingers on the whole time, I'm like, oh yeah. man, yeah, like yeah, this man knows what he's doing. They almost look like visors, like those. Oh, they're so good. Glasses, yeah, uh, and I have to point out uh, John Larroquette. I love seeing him in anything. Um, I just realized, is he problematic? Has he done something wrong? He hasn't, right? He's still alive, right? He's, he's, uh, yes, he's yeah. still Marcella. <laughs> please quit asking me if John Larroquette is still alive. This you, is I will update you if he ever unfortunately passes away. This is the segment You'll of the, the show. First to know. This is a segment of the show I call is John Larroquette still alive, Marcus? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. <sighs> yes, the man is still alive, still kicking, still living his best life up there in uh, heaven, wherever the hell he lives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Nope, still here on Earth with us. Good. Thank God. I have to mention, uh, Harrison, what do you think of this casting? These these little bit parts played by these actors. I'm very bad at recognizing bit actors. Uh, like it's mm. it's that thing of like, oh, it's that guy. I'll know his name. I don't right. I don't know people. Um, I'm like, oh, that cop that did a murder. That's a that's a guy. Can't place him, Wait. but that's a dude. Hold on. Let's backtrack what you just said. That cop who did a murder. Are you talking about John Lovitz? Yes, thank you. Do you not know who John Lovitz is? You don't know John Lovitz? Oh, come on. I know his face. I know I've seen him places. I'm very bad at, at like, remembering names, faces to names. Marcelo, you saw me during that fucking trivia thing. You were like, six degrees. Of, you oh, pulled yeah. that card, yeah. those cards, and you were like, six to, like, put them together. And I was like, I don't know. Yes, uh, uh, just to clarify, uh, last year we did a, uh, a Zoom thing where we did six degrees of separation, and uh, Harrison, uh, uh, they were bad at it. Shit um, the bed. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you don't know faces, Harrison. Uh, but yes. Uh, I'm real bad. Marcus, tell Harrison what they would know John Lovitz from. Harrison, you would know John Lovitz from Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Yes. <laughs> Musical live from New guest, York. It's John Saturday Lovitz. night. Musical guest, John Lovitz. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's, he was on Saturday See, Night Live. I watched a lot of old Saturday Night Live, but I don't think I've watched that. Part oh, of what? It. He was. He the, was the, uh, the, the critic. Is that what his character was? His big character. Oh yeah, he was the voice of the critic. Uh, the the animated yeah. show, the critic. Oh. Yeah, you okay. like animation, the critic. Uh, it stinks. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah, yeah. that's him. That's him. If a movie stinks, don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got a great impression, and you don't even know the man's name. You know what? Fantastic. I, I, I'm having trouble thinking of another movie he was in. John Lovitz. I because I only know. Oh, him. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm totally... I, but I, I, I know him mostly from Saturday Night Live and The Critic. But I can't think of another he, movie. He's, he's in the culture. He's around. We love yeah, him from which is being how comedian. I know him. I know him because he's around. Yeah. I'm a media critic. I don't memorize <laughs> names. Get off my ass. Was, I'm sure he was in a Disney movie, and I'm sure you're going to be talking about him soon, yeah, right? You're probably right. You're probably right. I actually don't know that for a fact. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't in a Disney movie. But anyway, he's got to be like an Iago type character in one of those I fucking hate, movies, right? I hate myself. What happened? I hate this. You just looked it up? Because I Googled him and the first thing that comes up on like the Google sidebar for like movies and TV shows is the fucking bench warmers. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh right. yes, right. he's the yeah, fucking rich go. dude in the bench warmers. There you go. There you God, go. I hate that that's of where I know him from of all places. Damn it! All right, all right. All right. That's all right. that's enough right. Lovitz talk. We'll talk Lovitz later on in the series, but I'm glad we had that Lovitz <laughs> corner. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what, what, what's yeah, happening so next? Y- here at the here at the UPU two five offices, um, uh, they show Holmes Osborne, Bobby Frost, the the uh, the like video of Boxer waking up on the beach. Uh, they have. This is kind of uh, that, something that, that's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to interrupt. I need to interject. That moment where they're like, "That's Boxer right there." You can tell it's him, and they zoom in, and it's just <laughs> so blurry. To a blurry mess of just a bunch of pixels. It's definitely it's not. So good. It's definitely not him. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's, <laughs> it's like a stand-in. Yeah, no. 
It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they they explain that uh, Boxer is somewhere in in the in the city, but they don't know where he is because apparently all these like uh, super high tech. Uh, tracking things that they have located literally everywhere have somehow managed to miss the most important man in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, and Uh, by the way, very large and very important. I don't know how they missed him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's very large. I should, I I should say this by the way, like we've talked about Southland tales, the movie for how many hours now, Marcus, like four hours, maybe five hours. Including the comic. Right. I still don't know. And and, and, yeah. and, And Harrison, maybe you're also confused by this having only seen it twice. Um, I still don't exactly know what's going on or what happened with The Rock and the explosion. And I, I don't know. That's still confusing to me. I was really trying to focus How on... How is that confusing? They explain it to you at the end of the movie. But I still don't... Under, explain it to me, Harrison. Explain it to me. Okay, so here's yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah, get it. Get it. Get here's it what happens. Spoilers for Southland Tales. Oh, no uh, shit. <laughs> We're an hour into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they put him in a truck. They drive him out to the middle of the desert. They drive him Who's through, that? Roland through a rift. They, they, he and um, Roland Sean slash Williams Ronald uh, drive through a rift in time space c- continuum and get spat out 69 seconds before they drive through the space time continuum. Mm-hmm. At which point there are now two versions. No one props 69. Of, sorry. I said no on Prop 69. It wasn't worth saying. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> it's a reference to the movie. Vote no on Prop 69. <laughs> That's that is a thing for the next segment, next episode. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm sad I don't get to laugh about that, but I will laugh no. about it to myself. Um, but so they drive through. They get spat out 69 seconds ahead before they go through the portal. So now there is there are. Two versions of Boxer and two versions of Roland slash Ronald. Not sure what the real name is. Doesn't matter. They oh. blow up one of the trucks. Who? In wh- in which time one of the Boxers dies. Yeah, and right. then one of the Rolands, both of the Rolands survive and they get split up promptly. Okay. Right. Who, because who they cannot the truck? touch How, until the, the end of the movie. How'd the truck blow up? Yes. The truck blowed up, killing boxer a yeah how, how did it blow up though who, who blew, blew up the up? truck kevin smith is that not in the comic <laughs> i the comic's a prequel it, that's the end of the movie that would be spoilers I, i'm no, laughing i'm laughing because i don't either, understand it, i assumed it was either in the comic or wallace sean had somebody do it uh, see oh but Harrison, i think it might be kevin smith's character Harrison, thank you because you've explained it. I'm st- I'm still not 100 on it, but that explanation. I'm just a fucking idiot, I guess, because that <laughs> is getting me closer to answering that question of what happens. Okay, I still don't know exactly. We don't know. Maybe it is in the comic and we missed it. Who blew up that truck exactly? All right, so so here are my two theories. Here are my two theories of who actually blew up the truck. One, Justin Timberlake. Two, mm-hmm. okay. the smoking woman who shows up in the periphery of fucking every important Serpentine. scene. Serpentine. Byling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Who, by the way, is, she is, in, the the, is in the hallway yeah. when Bobby Frost and co. walk by. Yeah. She's okay. like, uh, she's who's a, who's a character that's just like that always bench. in the background? She's the G-man of this movie. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. My guess of who did it is 
the government. Maybe like Marcus was saying. Uh, wow. Is uh, the government? No, wait, wait. Let it. me be specific. Uh, Kevin Smith's character, <laughs> uh, because he was the afraid uh, that yes, the general. Um, he was afraid that since after that separation happened, you have to get rid of them because if they touch each other, if they you know come together, then the whole universe collapses on itself. So I'm, my my bet is. Mm. Uh, Kevin Smith's character blew up the truck. Harrison, speaking of uh, Kevin Smith's character, I know you're into D and D. Are you aware that there is a like whole D and D subplot happening in this movie? What? I didn't know that. What? Yeah, it, there is, uh, and it's it's like it's mostly explained in the prequel comic. Um, it it is Kevin Smith's character. He's like the wizard general or whatever. He sees himself as the dungeon master of this game. And he's uh, experimenting on uh, on. Uh, you see it more in the can cut, actually. Oh. Janine Garofalo is in this movie. She's in she's in what? the theatrical cut for point one seconds, but uh, she's in the can cut more for a few scenes. Uh, she's like Kevin Smith's right hand woman, and okay. uh, she uh, they're they're like setting up these things to happen, and he sees himself as like the dungeon master who's. Uh, making all these things happen and being a like running this big game and it's not very clear it's not in the theatrical cut whatsoever but like it, it is there it is something that was intended to be there more just uh pointing that out oh. wondered if you picked up on that whatsoever nope. i just thought that was a cool dude that they were like this is a cool dude we're and gonna put him up here, make him basically the doorman. I'm I'm going it, I'm going to guess the next time you watch this, Harrison, you're gonna watch the cons cut. You're goddamn right. I'm gonna watch the con cut. There you <laughs> go. There you go. There you go. Um, Fuck, I might watch this tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> like, uh, Mark, look what you've done to me. Look what you fucking done to me. I hate you. Mission you accomplished. Hyperfixate on something new. God damn mission it. Mission accomplished. Fuck you, uh, Marcus. What's next? Yeah, uh, so they explain boxers out there somewhere uh, that he was seen in the desert, whatever. Yeah. Um, skipping around, skipping around. Uh, we got Cindy and Terry, played by uh, Lisa K. Wyatt. They are in their apartment building uh, doing neo-Marxist shit. And here they we go. are explained. <sighs> here okay. we go. Yes, this is, so, yeah, so Harrison, Harrison's you sent corner. both me and Marcelo a threatening video last <laughs> night <laughs> of you... Plopping down your copy of the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx onto your copy of Southland Tales Tales, and then giving it the middle finger. Uh, Please explain to us, as if we are complete morons, uh, why did you do such a thing? What 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 are you going to do to us? What what what? Who is Karl Marx? <laughs> who is Karl Marx? That's why we wanted to bring you on the show, Harrison. That is my favorite Jeopardy answer. Who is Karl Marx? <laughs> you're, you're saving me a Google search here, Harrison. <laughs> All right, and I'm, uh, I'm probably please go, please. yeah. I, I need um, to save my gig, so please tell us. Okay, so I want to first preface by saying the Communist Manifesto was written by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. Marx did of not. Course drive the ship entirely on his own bare bones he did drive a ship though he's a sailor no he was not a sailor god damn it oh, whoops okay so bare bones My straightforward mistake. here's what like the communist manifesto is a it is less than 40 pages it is it was distributed as a pamphlet um to basically how it is basically a 
dissection and critique of what Marx and Engels saw as um, the dominant economic form, uh, like the dominant shape that capitalism was beginning to take in and around. Uh, let me check real quick. I don't have the year in front of me, but it's in the book real quick. Give me a second. Um, 1848. Um, so it's primarily targeted at Europe as it's beginning to industrialize and the patterns they're beginning to see emerge, uh, as economics begin to shift entirely out of quote unquote, the feudal model and into the industrial capital model. Um, and what Marx and Engel do is break down the, the, okay. So the opening line of the manifesto. Not the opening line. I'm sorry. The opening line is dope as hell. It's a specter is haunting Europe, the specter of communism. Great opening line. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, the opening line to section one is the history of all hitherto existing societies is the history of class struggles. Freedom and slave, patrician and plebeian, lord and serf, guildmaster and journeyman, in a word, oppressor and oppressed, stood in constant opposition to one another, carried on an in, on uninterrupted, now hidden, uh, now open fight a fight that each time ended either in revolutionary reconstitution of society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. Basically, Marx and Engels boil down every, pretty much every conflict within society up to that point in terms of there are two classes, they are economically opposed to each other, there is the ruling class, the wealthy, the bourgeois, uh, and then you have the proletariat, which are the, the poor and the working class and the working poor, and essentially, they were beginning to see a dominant form of economics arise where the in the face of industrialization, the bourgeois were beginning the, the, the I will I will use basic terms going forwards. The ruling class and the wealthy were beginning to find ways to exploit the work and labor of the proletariat in such a way that it became alienating for the proletariat the pro the the working class were removed from their the products of their labor almost entirely and then for the and the only people seeing the benefits of that labor were the ruling class and the elites and the wealthy so what marx and angles propose is and go through and dissect are the various ways in which society can further continue the oppression of the working class while making it seem like they were acting in favor of the working class um he they break down like the various forms of quote-unquote socialism that they began to see pop up which is like this is this is progress but this is not enough and ultimately this will only further the alienation and exploitation of the working class and they basically say the only way to solve this is to overthrow capitalism and uh, equitably redistribute the means of production, the, the, the methods by which we can produce goods and services and commodities for each other and make it entirely worker owned. Put everyone on an even playing field and go from there. It's not permanent. We can't think of like... It is going to take effort. It is not utopic thinking. It is a basically a roadmap for how to go forwards. It is not an end goal. That being said, note how at no point did I mention the word elections. <laughs> um, right. 
because it is fundamentally un- because Marx and Engels are fundamentally unconcerned with electoralism. Um, and they are also like the communist manifesto is also a, a profoundly optimistic work. There is like, it ends with the proletariat, um, have, I'm going to get this entirely correct because it's a banger of an ending line. The proletarians have nothing to lose, but their chains, they have the world to win. So it's this idea that like, should the proletariat unify and push against their oppressors, they can more equitably distribute the economic um means of product like the, the the means of producing an economy that works for them rather than one that uses them for the benefit of the of the ruling class my issue with how southland tales deploys the term marxist <laughs> one it says neo-marxist so it's like we are one most academics, uh, most academic fields that I'm aware of don't don't rely on neo. They rely on post. There is post post structuralism, post colonialism, post modernism, post Marxism. I think I said that already. Um, post structuralism. There's like neo classicism, but that's like also more of an art field. Um, so like one, your terminology is not entirely correct. But also, you're not aligning yourself with post-Marxist studies, so I understand that. Post-Marxist studies takes, like, the basis of Marx and Engels and adds, like, critical race theory, intersectionality to it, like, builds it out from there. Um, I should state that I have not read Capital. Um, I've only read the Communist Manifesto, so um, Marx does actually expand upon his thoughts in Capital. It's a huge book. It never actually got finished. Um but I think my issue with the way Southland Tales deploys it is that they kind of deploy it in the way that, like, this is an unfavorable unfavorable comparison, but I think the movie is trying to do this to, like, use it as a shorthand. They deploy Marxism the same way the Republican Party deploys Marxism and socialism, um, just as a quick shorthand of, like, this is a scary thing, you don't know what it, like, you, it is, mm-hmm. it is, this is the anti-authoritarian, this is the left-wing faction that we're dealing with these are like they are trying to bring down the state like okay i get it you could just say left-wing extremists i'm kind of baffled as to why they why it's specifically labeled marx because at least in the manifesto they don't like marx and Engels don't don't like that i think this is the best way to put it um destroy capitalism dethrone god is not a karl marx quote Mm, okay um and like the notion of religion as the opioid of the masses is like a thing that's been around in philosophy and it's like it's a way to keep certain philosophers have argued that it is a way to keep the poor in their working conditions by being like well if you suffer in life you'll be rewarded in the afterlife which you can understand why that's a little bit problematic, like a bit troubling if you're one, if you're uh, agitating for social change, because like you've got you've got a ready-made rationale there of like, well, if we just suck it up and suffer now, we'll be rewarded eternally in the afterlife. You know what's better than a hundred, like fifty years of living in the shit, an eternity of being chill as hell with God. Yeah. Um. So that's puzzling to me with regards to this movie's politics because it feels like they're deploying the notion of neo-marxism as like it's not marxism like we're not we're not we're not aligning ourselves entirely with that but 
we're going to use that as like a benchmark of like everyone knows Karl Marx is a very left wing mm. philosopher and thinker. So we can just stick that flag in the ground and be like left wing. Yeah. Dude, buzzword. It's, it's a buzzword. Well, which gets to be a little bit more troubling for me by the end of the movie, which like a, a, a critique I've been seeing consistently uh, more in, in the, in the more recent years as things, as, as the, the political situation in the United States at the very least continues to degrade um, is the idea that like, it is easier when I think I think this is a fairly easy thing to state and kind of unassailable. It is easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you And I th- and I feel Sorry. like the mo- this movie very much falls into that camp. Like with with especially how it ends and I'm I really don't like that last line. That last line is extremely troubling to me. Um, but like the fact that it is easier for this movie to envision a world that gets destroyed by corporation, essentially by corporations who are funding the neo-Marxists to keep like, to keep the government off their backs and busy by fighting the neo-Marxists. Um, while they go about their nonsense to quote unquote destroy capitalism by building a big blimp, <laughs> right. like like when I say it gets muddled, it gets muddled. You know, sure. like def if it, it definitely feels like they're deploying buzzwords to signal a shorthand, but also like they can't be true Marxists if they end up in the pocket of big business you know do you do you see that as a failing of the movie or do you see that as intentional that uh that these neo-marxists are portrayed as not as as like you say buzzwords they're they're just I, using this as a face to right. be kind of uh, slightly left-leading as opposed I, to I, I feel socialism i feel like because in the in the movie that the way they're manifested is cutting off people's thumbs to fraudulently swing elections in favor of Clinton. God. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In favor of Clinton of all people. Yeah. One of the most hawkish because it's 2008. So that's absolutely Hillary. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the most hawkish presidential candidates of the modern era. Um, yeah. I, I, <sighs> If we want to be generous, we could easily say that, like, this is taking a dig at, like... Actually, I don't even think it's that generous. Like, it is pretty clear. Like, you can easily read this as, like... But at that point, it gets... I want to read this movie as fundamentally more optimistic than it is, because that's just me. Um, And the tone of this movie feels more optimistic than I I know it is, just because of how goofy everything is. But, like, it's really bleak to basically be like, oh, yeah, no, like, the mark, like, the quote-unquote left-wing extremists in this world are still in the pocket of big business and are, by all accounts, left of center at the very, at the most generous. And they're just waving the Marxist banner around as like a, bu- like as a buzzword to gain themselves more credibility. Um, 
but again, I'm I'm not sure. That's the problem because like I'm not sure how much of that is what we're bringing to it and what my what my knowledge of like Marx actually is versus what the movie is like intending. And ultimately, it doesn't matter, right? But I don't know. I would I would really I really like it if the movie knew what it was doing, but yeah. It's it's hard to like it's so hard for this to know philosophically what this movie thinks it's doing because there's so much. I I I do not disagree with you. I I, but I do. I I I don't know. I I do kind of go back and forth on this. Like I, I do think it. I do think of it as intentional. I do think that. That is the most optimistic, optimistic reading of it, and I do tend to give it that. But I won't, it also is my favorite movie. Marcella, do you have any uh, thoughts on anything Harrison just said? I, I do need to uh, thank you, Harrison, for that. By the way, yeah, but yeah, by the way, you, 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 that was great. You've opened great. my mind on a lot of things because I am very dumb when it comes to that subject matter. Um, I, 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 I didn't take that class in college. Um, but, I, I will, I will, I will very, very quickly just say like. The Communist Manifesto is 40 pages. It's way more readable than you think it is. Put, like, just, I'm, I just want to put this out there for anybody listening to this. Put your preconceptions aside and go read it. Mm-hmm. It's very eye opening and it's worth thinking about. Right. Well, uh, to me, it sounds like hippie shit that I can't get behind. <laughs> Marcelo, what, what were you? <clears throat> I, I, what were you? Okay. What were you about to say? Uh, this again I'm, I'm this is coming from a very stupid person me right like when i watch a movie i do want to uh very easily appoint you know white hats and black hats you know good guys versus bad guys and i know uh when it comes to like sherry o'terry and her character and her plot you know arc through this whole thing it gets very muddled on like who's a good guy who's a bad guy but i generally mm-hmm. thought you know in this movie the neo-marxist for the most part, are good, but now having gone through all of Harrison's points, and and you know and what they brought to the table, and like my mind now has to consider the optimism of this whole thing, and like now, <laughs> I mean the the optimism of the of the film by the end, I'm trying to come up with who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and it boils down to like it's just the it's just the Rock and it's just Sean William Scott, like those are just the two in my mind that are purely good right but are they i think so what is what is good what is good yeah that's that that's what i'm trying to wrap my head around you know it's it's not that didn't come up before when i watched this but like now thinking about it more yeah considering that the neo-marxists are like uh uh you know being built up by capitalists and uh, i don't know and then yeah i don't know it there's a lot to chew on here um so uh, again, who's good, who's bad? Does it even matter by the end? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, the one thing I can pretty clearly come down on is uh, Wall- Wallace Shawn, bad. Like, that's the one sure. clear thing at the end of this movie. I'm yeah. like, nah, this this dude fucking sucks. Yeah. That dude sucks. That dude sucks. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Frost sucks. A lot of them suck. Even, even, even Wild. It, Absolutely it, insane that Richard Kelly predicted Elon Musk. Absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. 100%. Yep. And and That's I, great. I, I didn't uh, think about that, Harrison. This is kind of tangential. To, tangential. I can't even say the word. It's it's related to what we're talking about. Uh, like who's good and who's bad. Like, do you think Krista now is like 
a good leaning on good or bad in this movie hmm i think she's trying to get hers yeah uh and just get through it and at a certain point at a certain point i fundamentally disagree with the get yours with the fuck you got mine mentality because um it destroys planets um but you can't like in the in the position she's gotten herself into i don't know that i can entirely blame her because like she's just like ultimately she's just a sex worker trying to get by and like she kind of stumbled her way into all of this like I don't know. I find it hard to dislike her, even though I don't agree with a lot of her perspectives. And yeah. I think trying to boil this down into good versus bad is ultimately reductive in a way that doesn't help this movie. Because... <sighs> I mean, I, I, the only things I am ever going to like in something like this, that's so dense and so complicated, there are two things, there are, there are two things that I can always reliably fall back on to be like bad. And that is big business and the state, both of which are, are clearly displaying overreach here. Yeah. Basically everybody is caught up in that. And it's to the varying degrees of which they're caught up in it that it becomes how morally gray are they? I, I, I guess, I, I guess what it comes down to is I like Krista as a character, and that's about as far as I can go with it, because everybody in this is turning on each other and betraying each other and taking money to turn Boxer back over to the state and over to, uh fluid karma or uh, whatever their company name is like and it's 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 so bleak it's so comically bleak that like i don't know that i can even come close to assigning good or bad it's just how sorry do i feel for these people yeah no and i think the part and ultimately like he doesn't really pop up in the 15 minutes that we're talking about but I think I feel the most sorry for Pilot Abilene. Um, yeah. But that's also because the um, the the part that I the section that I legitimately thought was a killer's music video for the longest fucking time. Uh, okay. I had seen that part of this before before watching Southland Tales and just was like, oh, like yeah, other like bands use famous dudes in their music videos all the time like there's the one with christopher walken dancing in the hotel like yeah i totally believe that the killers would use justin timberlake dressed in fatigues for this music video like and like that dude's just got so much fucking trauma so much trauma and like it doesn't it doesn't pop up in the section we're talking about so i won't linger on it too long but like i think that is the stuff with him is the most cogent part of this movie like far and away just like what they're doing with like veterans and ptsd and addiction and self-harm and self-loathing with just like even just in the um all these things that i've done sequence it is the most focused part of the movie for me uh and it fucking whips it's so good but also the rest of the movie is also very good but like 
that sequence is the most focused part of the entire movie for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm now convinced this movie is a masterpiece, Marcus. So are you, are you, are you happy? <laughs> Marcus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've gotten more than I ever could have asked for in this episode. <laughs> so uh what's next? In the in- yeah, in the interest of time, I feel like we should kind of uh, fly through some stuff here. Yeah, that's probably um, a good idea. Yeah. So like the next scene is uh uh Zora uh Sherry Terry's character uh trying to uh buy some blanks from uh the Highlander. Um, in the can cut. Oh, that's right. He's the, the Highlander. Yeah, I always thought he was Raiden. Has, has more opposition to uh, in the can cut. Um, he he has more opposition to uh, selling her the blanks, and that's why she also gets the gun. In this, this is kind of something that they cut out and like hoped you wouldn't notice, which I never did until now. Um, and she looks at the big bazooka, gets her stuff, beats up the Highlander. Uh, becomes the Highlander herself and then leaves the van, oh, real, the ice cream truck. Real quick, can I ask Harrison this? Harrison, uh, do you know, uh, have you seen any other Sherry O'Terry movies? Do you know where she's from? No. Uh, Live from New York. Musical it's guest. Saturday night. Sherry O'Terry. Yes. <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Oh, mm-hmm. Are you be Okay, I don't want... Seriously. There's a lot of... There's a lot of... Um, Words are hard. There's a lot of SNL I don't know, just straight up and down. I, I, are those the only two SNL cast members in this movie? Here, uh, sorry, Marcus, or uh, is that it? Is uh, sure, surely, surely, it must be. Surely, you, you, you could almost um, count. Let's Timberlake. get into the next scene. <laughs> uh, you can count Timberlake. Yeah, well, we can get into the next scene. Yeah, let's uh, go. Pilot Abilene being talked about on TV. He's gone public with his. Uh, this is interesting. He he went public here with his. Uh, um, like what, what what was done to him while he was in overseas, the which is he was experimented stuff, yeah. by being being in, injected with fluid karma. He's gone public to that. It's news, but he still works with for the military. Yeah, like, I feel like that would be a thing that would get you totally excommunicated. But I don't know. Wait, does, does he does um, he work for the military or is he just like security, like for the beach? Listen, once you're once you're military property, they don't really let you go, especially if they've done testing on you. Uh-huh. I've seen enough hard sci-fi to know that, <laughs> but but I, I just feel like he would have been uh, taken out by one of those massive sniper rifles, like he's operating. If he if he had really gone to the news with the story that they're illegally um, uh, testing this new gasoline on our soldiers by injecting them with it, and it causes them to see into the future, like, I I I don't know. Yeah, the, the, in 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 actuality, there is like a a third party too. Uh, I, Kevin Smith doesn't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's. I don't know. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was gonna say there is like a clause in like military contracts that says you cannot talk to the media unless you know you are authorized to do so. So yeah, yeah, you, you've got a point there, Marcus. But hey, who knows? This is this is a, an alternate universe. Maybe they threw through those uh, rules the ta- out the window. The, the world is slowing down. Shit's going crazy. Yeah, People yeah. aren't thinking how they're supposed to think. Exactly. So um, yeah. So the, this scene's this go. scene's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This, this scene's interesting. Uh, they're watching that TV in in the apartment uh, with. Uh, Zora, um, Veronica Mung, who's played by uh, Amy Poehler. Mars- uh, Harrison, do you know where Amy Poehler's from? <laughs> Live from New York, it's Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wait. Uh, Harrison, do you know where Will Sasso is from? Who? Will Sasso, who plays Fortunio. Live Fortunio. from New York. Nope. It's, it's uh, live oh, from... Uh, no, wait. Uh, mad, you're so mad, crazy. Mad, 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 yeah. mad, mad TV. I was I was one I was wondering I'm like they've been hitting the SNL button a lot are they gonna hit the the Mad TV button I oh yeah. so there you go <laughs> yeah and do you know where okay, John yeah, so do, you, do you know where John Larroquette's from isn't that the mom from Boyhood <laughs> what John what John Larroquette sounds like Arquette and I my okay. brain. I think I think we have connection <laughs> issues no uh, John Larroquette is from Night Court. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now you're just mocking me for being a child. No, I, I listen, this is a bit I'm going to do for the rest of the series. I hope the other guests enjoy this. All right, keep going, okay. Marcus. That's fine. All right, Zora, Amy I'm Poehler. I'm shocked you and, didn't uh, ask me who Christopher Lambert was. Like, all right, fine. <laughs> and Dion, played by Wood Harris, are waiting outside, waiting in the apartment. Uh, Ronald is getting himself uh, situated in his uh, brother's... Uh, uh, police uniform in the bathroom. He's uh, kind of hallucinating. He's uh, looking into the mirror. He's uh, like waving his hand and it's moving. Uh, it's like a, a, like a second or two delay in the mirror, his reflection. It rules. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's a great scene. Especially because uh, like knowing how generally uh, mirror shit is filmed in movies, like it it's so cool. It's so cool. Like actually ha- like I, I'm not sure how they filmed it in this because the mirror does kind of look like it's slanted, so it could have they could have just like filmed it twice and composited it. But also like when close-ups on mirrors need to be done, they have like the st- the stunt double stand in in front of the camera, and then the actual actor is mim- mimicking them mm-hmm. where the mirror is supposed to be. So I don't know. I thought it was cool. Like and was like if that's how they're doing it, this is rad as shit. Yeah, it, it's it's an impressive uh, looking technical thing for sure. Oh, sorry, Marcus. Um, did, did you mention this was uh, nodded to in the prequel comic? This this moment. What? <laughs> the moment in the mirror? Because I think they they kind of explain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In in the prequel y- comic, do you, you think it's because of the fluid karma? Yeah, it, it has to be yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, like one of the side effects of fluid karma, which is what uh, we see Sean William Scott, both of his characters being injected with. Is uh, they're they're being injected with fluid karma, which has the side effect of having use and boxers also under the influence of that. Uh, as the side effect of you seeing partially through time, and my my theory for why that this this uh, this effect is happening to him is that he's actually seeing like a second back in time or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. which, which I didn't uh, consider until reading that comic, and I, I always thought it was just a drug trip he was going through. But yeah, uh-huh. the, the, the time, mean, time travel it, stuff it is, is interesting. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Right. Considering yeah. this is what the drugs do. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're they're they're, uh, they're dressing him up. This is important for later in the movie. They're they're dressing him up, Ronald, as his. They are telling him that he is Ronald, and that his uh, brother is a cop, and they uh, they have knocked out his brother Roland, they have knocked him out, taken his uniform and put it on Ronald. And Ronald is supposed to impersonate, um, Roland as a policeman taking boxer Santeros on a ride along to later film the, uh, 
outcome of a uh, racially motivated police shooting. Listen, I know this um, is I know this is a long episode. I'm trying to zip through, but remind me again, either Marcus or Harrison. How did the neo Marxists get a hold of Sean William Scott's character? Both of them. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I heard a hmm from Marcus. Uh, hmm. hmm. I wish I could tell you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, good, I'm, good, I'm glad there's confusion there. But yeah. Um, that, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll answer the next episode. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to think. I really cannot. I don't know. I, I mean, they they stole the. Were the neo-Marxists the one that stole the SUV? I don't know. That's something. Were the neo-Marxists the ones who exploded? A boxer, the... boxer, boxer stole the SUV. Well, I'm, mm, I'm not sure. They don't the say who stole the SUV. They're like, yeah, boxer managed to get back in the state, and someone stole an SUV. We don't know who stole it. So I think, I think the the, the neo-Marxists stole it. But also, like personally, when we get when we're dealing with like inciting incident shit in movies, I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is our starting point. It's fine. <laughs> I don't need. I don't need to. <laughs> It's fine. I'm with you. I'll suspend my disbelief for a minute. Like, yeah, right. they can they can have the cop. It's fine. Like, I'm not gonna worry and about that, it. That that might have to be the thing that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to come to Marcelo is we're just going to have to like this 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 whole show is uh, we've been talking for an hour and a half at least now <laughs> about <two> hours. <laughs> breaking breaking down the breaking down the ins and outs of this film. I think we're going to have to accept at a certain point that not everything can be answered, and that that's not is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Are, are we doing too much here? Uh, are, are our lives uh, being fulfilled? Are, are we doing good things with our lives? I will, These are questions I will that we're going say, to have to... I will say, both of you have podcasted with me before. Both of you have listened to Dream a Little Deeper. You are fully aware what bringing me on a podcast does to the runtime. This is oh, no. all, This is your, your fault. No, like, I, listen, no, no, no. We're not I, complaining about the... I, I love po- long podcasts. Marcelo keeps... Marcelo insists that he doesn't, and we always need to keep it short, but no, we listen, never do that. Our shows I, are always an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, th- this is podcast, not a failure Five-star runtime. Five-star podcast. Five-star five star runtime. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. This, this is what I want. And this is what I know deep down Marcelo can wants I, to, no matter what he's about to say. Can Listen, I, if we go for another hour, this will be the longest episode on the network. No, okay, can Ooh, I... Can maybe, I, that is intriguing. Can I Can I be honest here? Uh, <laughs> can I be honest here, okay? This might be... Please, Marcelo, finally. This might be, finally, an hour and 45 minutes in. Fi- <laughs> at, at, at the 100-minute mark, here's me being honest. This might be a bad idea. Okay, listen. This might be one of the best podcast episodes i've ever done okay because i'm learning a lot i'm going through a movie that is i think now better in my mind you know uh almost two hours into this conversation like i'm convinced myself i've convinced myself this is a better movie than when i started is what i'm saying okay and you two are great. I, I love talking to you. So yes, this is this is good. I don't like how your voice pitched up when you said it. Right. You're lying. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I'm not lying. I, that's me trying to be sincere, and I'm never sincere. I know. And I'm I always kidding. have to I'm like kidding. add in a dash of uh, sarcasm there. But yeah. But no, this I know, is good. I'm kidding. I, and I only worry that I'm taking up uh, your time, both of your time. You know, with, with this. Oh, buddy, know? I'm not working tomorrow. I got time. Listen, I'm I'm off tomorrow yeah. too. I mean, Marcus. I mean. Uh, I, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you have to get up early, but this is we're I'm this is ele- we're we're heading towards 11 p.m. Uh, Central Time. But hey, I I can do more, so let's do more. <laughs> Come on, uh, fuck you, Marcelo. What? We are going on. Move on to uh, <laughs> one, the one time. No, I'm with you. The one listen, time. I'm listen, I'm 
Listen, I'm with you. I'm just I'm just laughing because this is very funny and it's it's also deeply funny because a peek behind the curtain on my other podcast. Um I was entirely in favor of releasing uh the Dream a Little Deeper episode on the uh package films 7.1 and 7.2 as a single episode. I was entirely in favor of that and Alex talked me down because she's the one doing the edit. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm not cutting uh anything really from this episode uh, uh oh no that's fine yeah uh, that's and, fine and and i will say i don't think they're i don't think we're gonna, we're gonna cross the uh talk from society uh longest episode uh record no we won't yeah we, it's it uh, no. We're, no. We're, we're we're almost done here we're right? moving into the final scene here <laughs> okay. we're, we're moving into the final scene here this is uh this is roland showing up to Kristen Howe's uh penthouse or whatever whatever beach house what what, what would you call it they uh, uh, are they at the beach? Whatever. Roland. Yeah. Sho- okay. Yeah. yeah they're I, on I the guess beach. I never noticed that. Roland okay. shows up. Roland shows up to the beach house. Uh, Fortunio uh, greets him in a way that, like, they know each other, like they're friends. I. I are they right? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, like, it, they are uh, right. It it really feels yeah. like they know each other and like have a history and like he knows that um. Like when he's like, "Hey, when'd you get back?" and Roland's like, "I." I don't really know. Just the mm-hmm. em- empathy on his face of like, okay, this is something that's happened before. He go like it feels like he goes through bouts of this where like his war trauma acts up and he kind of goes into fugue states and just kind of disassociates and blinks around in his mind. Mm-hmm. So like just that those like t- that the way he just pats him on the back and he's like, you're okay, you're okay. Come on, let's go, let's go upstairs does so much to commu- communicate so much about their relationship with saying by saying like so little it rules yeah. it's great yeah and that's interesting and that's i a, that's a good point and i and i do forget maybe marcus uh you remember or not but i i want to say they mentioned something about their relationship in the prequel comic maybe but probably not i'm, I'm probably they, making it making they it explain fortunio and krista's relationship i can't i can't remember uh Roland and uh, Fortunio intersecting, but yeah, I, I, it could be, it could have been mentioned. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what what are they doing here? Uh, Roland or Ronald is showing up as Roland to uh, be pitched this movie. Or not he? No, he's he's there to pick him up for the ride along, but he ends up being pitched a boxer's movie, uh, which is. The Power, written by Boxer Santeros and Krista now. It's really <clears> just written by Krista. Yeah. Probably with revisions by Boxer. Um, oh, and... It's, it, it's basically... He's basically pitching Southland Tales. Yeah, like it, yeah. It, It's yeah. so fucking good. Uh, that, that is exactly... Uh, in the prequel comic, uh, Harrison, they have interlude... It's split into three sections, much like this film is. In the middle of, like, every section of the comic book, there is a handful of pages from this screenplay that you get to read. And it like very directly mirrors uh, the film Southland Tales. It's a uh, very interesting. Oh, and also uh, Krista now uh, is uh, she, you know, yeah, she wrote it. Um, and the explanation yeah, of, she's... Of, of where she got the idea from was that I forget who was doing this to her, but she was hypnotized and read the book of revelations. And after having that experience, she wrote this screenplay. I think I missed that. Um, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I must. Yeah. I must have missed that. No, too. that's in a prequel comic, by the way. 
Oh, okay. That's yeah. why I didn't know yeah. that. There you go. Yeah. When I make sure that is in there, yes, because I find that okay. interesting. I skipped this earlier, but at this point, I feel like I want to go back to it because of what you just said. I'm sorry. Uh, one of the like Chirons on like a news program they were watching earlier, um, it said uh, it, it mentioned the the plane, um, the flight where Krista uh, was on this flight, right? And they mentioned that the, the the people who were on this flight, some like paranormal thing happened, and. I think this is where um, Krista Kapowski turned into Krista now. What? Like, okay. Was it was, was this her, also, was this her, also her in the prequel psyche, comic? Like, yes, yes. The, I, it's something I don't. I'm like half remembering, but it is mentioned like in the film that 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 the, the people who were on this flight were quarantined and they're still in quarantine, but. I think Krista was on that flight and I'm trying to figure out how she got out of that because I, 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 I deliver, I remember a, a, a section about the, the plane where Krista like sees a vision, like the, 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 the side of the plane rips off and she sees a vision vision. And then she kind of turns in her head into Krista now, like she was already Krista now, but she, like she, she starts living Krista now more. Do you know? I don't know. It, do you know what I read on Wikipedia today that I think could have been added recently? Because I think I missed this uh, uh, before, this fact. Uh, apparently Richard Kelly now feels like he made a mistake of uh, turning... Because there are six chapters to, to the story, right? The first three chapters are that prequel comic. Then the second half, the, the last three chapters are this movie. He regrets now making the second half uh, a movie, you know, versus trying to adapt the first half uh, into a movie first. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing somebody cannot get their. Thank you for explaining why the fuck the movie starts on part four. I'm like, I was so finally two hours in. (laughs) We explain that. Hey, that's why. Yeah, because that Mm -hmm. wasn't in the section. I assume, like, I figured you were going to talk about it in the in the other episode that I'm not on. Um, But also, you mentioned it, so thank you. That makes a bunch of fucking sense. I also clearly wasn't looking at the screen when part six popped up, so I just thought it was, like, two really long parts and got very confused. (laughs) I'm like, huh, five acts and a tragedy, like Shakespeare. Okay, that makes sense. Nope, six parts? Ah, donks. Uh, Harrison, I've got... I feel like we discussed it enough, but I've got one final question for you, because I think... uh... Uh, Marcelo's insane when he said this to me. Did, 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 the, did the the music of this film stick out to you in any way? Because apparently to Marcelo, he did not <laughs> okay. ever notice the music. I, I have a point. After, after Harrison finishes I feel like that's absurd. Answering. I bought Hold the on. CD no, recently. No, no, I've been no, listening wait, to it. Wait. It's fantastic. Mark, Mark, Marcus, I just have to say, I want to let Harrison finish. Oh, I want to let Harrison answer the question. After Harrison answers the question... Uh, I will respond, but uh, you'll have a rebuttal. Yes, I'll have a rebuttal. Where so, you'll deny saying the things that you've said. I will address it so, in my rebuttal. <laughs> can can you? I know you're a music person. You you you're heavy into vinyl. Is this a, a soundtrack you'd like to own on vinyl? <laughs> <laughs> so. I remember thinking in the while watching the movie, I'm like, okay, this music is this music is good. However, I am hard. Pr- this is a multi-part answer. Please do not interject until I am done speaking. Marcelo and Marcus. <laughs> okay, both okay, okay, okay. 
in the moment i really enjoyed all of the actual orchestration that i heard in like now trying to think of it i can't place too much of it i know there's a bunch like i feel like there's probably some synth somewhere in here um but the actual orchestration doesn't stick out to me however the music curation in this movie with like the actual songs that they use that weren't orchestrated for this movie top notch like i've said before the killer the justin timberlake uh bender in the arcade set to the killers is the best part of this movie um so while i don't necessarily want to own the score on vinyl i would very much fuck with a 2006 era music from and inspired by southland tales cdr yeah yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, Marcelo, your thoughts. Okay, my rebuttal. <clears throat> okay, so <laughs> from what I remember of me bringing this up last time we talked about it, Marcus, I did say it's one of those scores that is not, maybe memorable is not the right word, it just doesn't stick out as much as like other scores, right? This is not Danny Elfman we're talking about here, okay? And I love Danny Elfman. But it's there, it sets a mood when it wants to, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't engulf scenes uh, but watching this part for this episode, there was, I forget the moment, but there was a moment when the music kind of swells and you hear it more and I'm like, oh, that's actually good. That, that actually sticks out to me as like, yeah, it just sets a mood. It's not, there's no mm-hmm. theme. There's nothing to me that's catchy. Maybe for you, obviously there is Marcus, but that's how I feel about the score. It works to set a mood. It's not necessarily memorable. Or does it like you know stick in my mind as other scores do? But it works. It works. Right. So I I think I think a a good way to compare this, Marcus, is hey that music from Silent Hills real good, yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. <clears throat> do you really yeah, want to I, listen I to that on you. vinyl just on a regular basis? Well, I think for me I do. I, I well, yes, like, but you you the know score... the kind of stuff I'm gesturing at. Yeah, I, I, I get you. Uh, the score for this movie, it was supposedly done by Moby. I, I don't know how much involvement he really had in the score of the movie because really what it is is just like repurposing old tracks of his, like slightly mm-hmm. altering some of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, like from his play B-Sides album. Okay, so um, can I make a confession? Okay. You don't know who Moby is? No, I I am aware <laughs> okay. of Moby the concept musical guest sure musical guest moby oh, uh, uh, by the way we uh we missed another snl alum is also in this movie we we, we said Did her we? name oh no uh, uh marcus do you want to guess who uh who was oh, also in saturday oh, night live i who i'm aware I, you're, I you're aware okay let's move on yeah. um okay Mo- moby as <laughs> It's Nora Dunn. Nora Dunn featuring Nora yeah, musical Dunn guest. and musical Nora guest Dunn. Moby. So Moby, okay. Well, yeah. Nora Dunn. <laughs> I am only fam- I am only familiar with Moby in so much as sitcoms like to pretend white bald dudes are Moby, and it's not Moby. You know what? Um, That's fair. Um, I so I, I listen. I don't think Moby's real. <laughs> I know. I know. Factually, he is real. Can I say? But. You can, you could show me a picture of a bald white dude and I'll be like, it might be. Okay. I don't know. You could show have, me a picture of Moby and I'd be like, yeah, maybe. Who, uh, who, who can actually prove that this is true? I have thoughts on Moby. Okay, I have thoughts on Moby. Okay. 
Um, I'm old enough to uh, be of the age that I had a Moby CD back when, you know, they had play. CDs. Uh, I think it was Play because that was his biggest album, right? Everybody had Play yeah, when, when was, Play came out, hit, right? Yeah. Um, and yes, I was there when, when Moby was a thing in like the early 2000s or the late, ni- you know, the late 90s, right? Uh, he was on David Letterman performing with Gwen Stefani. You know, he had that music video of Southside, which is pretty good. Um, but then, yeah, he then what happened? You know, I, he, that 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 music that he you know produced lived in that era, and it's okay that it didn't move on because I liked it at the time. <clears throat> but I'm not. I, I guess I'm not a techno guy. You know, I I, I don't like that. I love that music when it came out, but now listening back to it, I don't know. I don't. I don't clamor for it anymore. So he lived in a time, and I don't blame anybody now for knowing for not knowing who Moby is, other than the fact that he was a creep sure. towards Natalie Portman. You know, they, that's something worth noting. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that thing. Um, he's like he happens to say a lot of weird stuff on Twitter. That's like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, recently. Uh, but culturally, much into it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, culturally, he served his time, and you know he hasn't done anything, for, as far as I know, anything relevant in the last few years, decades. So yeah, nah, nah. not really. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> sorry to bring the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> so with Moby ended, talk, oh my god, we're ending with Moby. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything else to say here? Yeah. Any, any uh, yeah. F- uh, final final thoughts, uh, Harrison. Uh, maybe on this section, and maybe Southland Tales as a whole. I really don't like the fact that the movie decides to leave you on "Pimps Don't Commit Suicide." Oh, uh, what? You don't like that line? That no. It feels hmm. like the trivializing like mental health struggles. Like, I'm sorry, that's not how that's not how this works. It's, it's fair enough. That's fair. On the face on the face of it, though, cool line, huh? Huh? <laughs> As aesthetically cool aesthetically cool and that to me that kind of sums up Richard Kelly aesthetically pretty cool yeah <laughs> also as 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 somebody who has pretty frequently struggled with suicidal ideation I'm not oh super into that line of thinking yeah. absolutely no fair enough. Yeah. It, it's fair it's again going back to that line that I think is half a good uh, line with Krista now saying we live in a bisexual nation it ends with like what that Native American orgy like oh that's uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's <clears throat> it's surface level like here is I guess these are my final thoughts and then I'll pass it on to Harrison and then Marcus right again I'll say having done two hours of podcasting about this movie I'm 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 coming around to thinking you know this movie is great, but I can't help but face the fact that, yes, there are times when, uh, 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 with the neo-Marxist things, with these lines that are surface-level cool, but like when you really dig into them, they're, for lack of a better word, problematic. Like That, to me, sums up Richard Kelly. Um, maybe not as much in like Donnie Darko, kind of? In Domino, hey, yeah. In, in in Domino, there Donnie is Darko. I feel like there's one specific event that you could probably come to that same. Like you would not like it because for the same reasons you don't like the pimps don't commit suicide thing. Um, oh, and 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 by the way, yeah, go on to Domino. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, let me go back to Donnie Darko. 
actually, we had this discussion on the on one of the Donnie Darko episodes. Donnie Darko episodes, Marcus, like uh, the way Richard Kelly treats suicide in that. That to me, yeah, that that that's what I was. Yeah, you know, yeah, to. yeah. I want to, I, um, I, I want to open that up a, a bit more because that's okay. That that kind of opened up my mind. I'm glad you brought that up, Marcus. Like that is like the pimp's. It's treated as a thing. noble act, exactly. In yeah. Don Darko, but it's another one of those things where I don't, I I don't. I don't think it's Richard Kelly saying that. I think it's Donnie Darko saying that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, for me, and for me, I'm willing to give it more credit than it than than you could perhaps give yeah. it because I just like the guy. I like his movies. It's right, but it, I could see you having a different interpretation of it. Yeah. So it's like very hard for me. And I, hey, you know, I, I've done all these episodes on the guy. I have to like him somewhat. I do, um, but it's hard for right. me to separate that from the man you know when he's you know the writer director you know i've had trouble right. i've had a trouble uh let me start that again i've had trouble with that ending since i saw it and how it really digs into that act again sorry to spoil donnie darko uh, harrison for you but uh, I mean, it's fine yeah it's it's tr- it's still troublesome for me it's hard for me to disconnect that yeah. from richard kelly and that line you know pips don't commit suicide is very much along those lines of how kelly you know, treats that as like something yeah. that's flashy, and you know, you know, uh, just something that's right aesthetically. Like, oh, it rings cool on the screen. You know, it's like very like. Eh. But no, it's like it's like somebody right. smoking a cigarette. You know, in a fifties movie, it's, it's cool. And but it's cool as shit. And I think <laughs> smoking's the coolest thing you can do. It is aesthetically as cool as shit. Um. I think what really sits weird with me about the ending of Southland Tales is they pretty, pretty heavily telegraph that like if one of them doesn't kill themselves or each other, which is still a weird, weird self-harm suicide. Like this movie's fixation on like clones and duplicate doppelgangers is real weird. But the fact that the movie ends on that and like, positions the notion that pimps don't commit suicide as almost heroic is very strange to me because ultimately they are still going to destroy the fucking universe. Like that Mm -hmm. is an unequivocal fact of that is how this movie ends. The movie ends with the fucking world and universe being torn asunder because these, because two identical beings with two with identical souls that shouldn't be in the same place physically connected. But also, the flip side of that is, at that point that they're at, one of them's got to fucking die to save the world, which will kill the other one. And neither of them are going to do it. So it's either... it, it It's suicide either way. It's literally suicide either way. Yeah. Right. And it, it's fucking bizarre. It's baffling, and I don't know how to make sense out of out of it, because it ends on, like, the upswell of the music and the way Justin Timberlake says, pimps don't commit suicide at the end, is ludicrous. Which, I'm not sure, but, like, I don't know if the movie thinks that's the case and if it's being ironic, or if I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because I like everything else the movie is doing. Mm-hmm. because uh, it seems so it feels really locked into veteran trauma post 9-11 and post-Iraq war with Timberlake's character 
earlier on, but like it seems to lose that by the end. And I don't know what to do with that. Not, uh, I'm not trying to change your mind whatsoever. I, I, I'm just going to say that that line for me, it, it, it's something like, as corny as it might sound. It's something I find comfort in like that. That's a thing. Yeah. I can say to myself. Yeah. And I, you have a tattoo on your face. Yeah. I on <laughs> Yeah. On my face <laughs> in the, in the font of, uh, <laughs> God, that fucking font, tattoo. man. Holy yeah. shit. The Southland Tales font. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It is good the most shot. Kingdom Hearts ass bullshit <laughs> I've ever seen. You know what? I, I, I tried to replicate that font for the podcast arts, and I should have just Googled uh, Kingdom Hearts font. That, that, that would have been a good alternative. Anyway, uh, you were saying, Marcus, you, you, you like that line. No, I, I, I said what I, I, I find power in that line. I find uh, it's uh, you could like uh, you can think of it as I think of it as like a, a mantra as a thing that like I, 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 I right. I personally identify with that line, but anyway. And and that's entirely fair, right? Like, no yeah. two people are going to have the exact same interpretation of a of right. a movie or, like, a line of dialogue. I just... I... Just the heroics of it, it either feels like it is being... It is either being positioned as, like, a truth that is not because of how the movie is situated at the end, or it is a concept... It is mocking because that is ultimate like that is ultimately what happens. So while the line itself is good, I think it's deployed poorly at the end. Like okay. if it if they had, if if it had just been the two of them staring into each other's face just going like they're just doing the whole I forgive you thing, I think that ending would have been incredible, but the narration mm. from Timberlake I think kind of undercuts a lot of what's going on. That's that's interesting. I, 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 I can picture that scene not ending or not having that commentary. And it, it does. It, it, I do think that would feel very powerful and in a different type of way. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but again, it's 2006, 2007. Yeah. It's gotta be edgy. <laughs> they got it. They got to get that last, that last twist in there. And this and, movie is nothing if not uh, fucking going for it and shoving as much in there as possible. It's so, so much. And I respect yeah. the shit out of it for going as hard as it does. But man, go go a little bit less in a few places, <laughs> please. Okay. You know, like, okay. I, I guess my final thought on this, this <sighs> apologies for invoking this. Oh, no. Because it's 2021. But I think the thing that, in terms of bombast and not necessarily in terms of finesse of execution, but just in terms of bombast and the sheer audacity of this fucking thing, this feels like the way th watching this for the first time felt very similar to listening to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy for the first time. Okay, all right, mm. all right, interesting. Talk about Kanye West. Now. I would like okay. to. I would like to. I'm leaving it there. Next. I'm not going in any more detail. Okay. Maybe but we'll talk like about that just, later. just the um, brr of it all. Okay, fair. Uh, we're, we're ending it with Kanye West. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I, th uh, I think that's it. I think we've reached the end. Yeah, wow. I, I think we have too. I think it's uh, what an episode. Oh, uh, on product placement watch. I just want to say, oh, that yeah. 
I'm keeping track of all the product placements that happened in this movie. There's Blue Rhino Propane, uh, GoldenPalace.com, which is an online casino. It's still active. Uh, Heinz Ketchup, Smirnoff, and Diet Coke. That is what I caught in this section of the film. Uh, not important. I just want to keep track of that. See who funded this movie. Uh, give our dollars to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, in the last two episodes... I mentioned that I was going to read from the Roger Ebert review of Seth and Tales. I There's no time to do it now. I'll do it next episode. Right. Yeah. Right. Next episode, Marcel, you will read I will from the Roger, read the Ebert, Roger review. Ebert review. Yes. And as you promised in our commentary, episode three is when Marcelo will explain the differences between 2K and 4K <laughs> yes. and why this Blu-ray is a 2K restoration versus a 4K restoration. Absolutely. I... Yes. After this, after this recording, after we, after we get off the line, I'm going to start my thorough research on 2K, <laughs> 4K, native uh, resolution. You know, uh, everything to do with uh, with uh, uh, frame rates and whatnot. You know, two point two nine point nine seven and two three point nine pixels. Pixels, uh, man. Uh, yes. Man, if you want right. to hear me geek out about res- about aspect ratios and resolutions, go listen to Dream a Little Deeper. I fucking lose it over CinemaScope. Then you are going to go wild for the next episode, Harrison. I, I, yeah. I, I'm going to die. Okay. Deep. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, we do not allow plugs on this on I thought we do. Whatsoever. I thought we did. Is, nope, nope, nope. It is a standing policy. Every We do not allow plugs. What about guests? Because about- Harrison has been such because <sighs> Harrison has been such a good guest, we're going to break our law. Oh, our own no. Law this it time. would be a shame if I hadn't if I it would be a shame if I mentioned my two other podcasts that I'm on quite frequently at other points throughout this show. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> no, please, Harrison. Don't don't just mention them infrequently throughout the show. Please give us the full plug right now. What do you All want right. people to do? Well, uh, I'm going to say if you want to listen to me spout more nonsense opinions that people like listening to for some reason, um, I do that on two topics mainly. Uh, I did that with uh, Marcelo and a whole host of other uh, wonderful people. Uh, about Lord of the Rings on our show Going Helms Deep. Uh, we may or may not come back to do the animated <laughs> Lord of the Rings movies. We will, eventually. We will. And then mm. eventually when that Amazon show comes out, we will probably talk about that. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the, the fucking animated Lord of the Rings movie? Sorry. Have I you seen that? I haven't. Have. I haven't. Oh my okay, god. There, there is something very weird that happens in one of them that I'm not going to spoil, but like it is stuck in my memory since I was a child. Fucking bonkers um, movies, insane. Um, the, but yeah, and uh, then anyway. and then there's my other show, which I co-host with my dear, dear friend Alex Isaac, uh, called Dream a Little Deeper, which is a critical retrospective on the Walt Disney Animation Studios films. We are going through all of them in order. Hopefully, by the time this is out, our hiatus is over. But life is chaos, and that show requires a lot of research. So who yes. the hell knows? Yes. But yes. we we are planning on coming back if we're not back already. Please hang tight. It's in the pipeline. We are actively working on the show. Yeah. Uh, glad to hear that. As a fan, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, now, Marcelo, I think it is time for us. Oh, and follow at uh, Gunkblader on Twitter. No, no, <laughs> um, no. I think he's also on Thank Twitch. Uh, Gunkblader. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
Hey, at least it is it is closer than what I thought your handle was for the longest. No, we're time. not even going to mention it either because it because it could be used as a joke against me by Marcelo until the end of time. By the way, that spelling so is G U N K B L A D E R. Right, and so we are going to that a sign has off a umlaut over it <laughs> uh, with. By saying ha- to to all of our nice listeners, hey, have, have a nice, a nice, a podcast. Teen horniness is not a crime. <laughs> <laughs>